Welcome, everyone. My name's Travis. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors here at PBC. And I'm really thankful that you're choosing to engage with this service. Uh, this service is designed to help us slow down and to meaningfully engage and reflect on the events that would lead up to Jesus' death by crucifixion. Before we begin, I'd just like to ask two really simple things of you. The first is that you actually turn your phone off and any device you might have open nearby. I'd love it if you treated the next 45 minutes as sacred time, where you are uninterruptible. And the second is to have some communion supplies ready nearby, uh, so that you can uh, partake in communion, the Lord's Supper, with us when we get to that part of the service. I don't know about you, but every Easter, when I get the chance to slow down and think on what Jesus went through, for me, for us, I'm just struck anew at how radical his love is for each of us. And I'm filled with an awe and a gratitude and awareness of my humble dependence upon him that sometimes I lose track of a little bit in the busyness of my everyday life. So my prayer for me and for you as you experience this service is that Jesus would so fill your heart and your life that you would want to worship him all your days. John 13, 1-17 It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Have you ever been involved in a car crash? I have, just one, nothing too serious, but enough to write the car off. And if you have, you know there comes this point where you realise... I'm about to crash, and there's next to nothing you can do from that moment. You just become a passenger. Uh, For some people, it feels like time really speeds up, 
Uh, for others, it seems to really slow down. I wonder which it was for Jesus. You see, in the same way that there comes a point where a car crash is inevitable, there is a similar sense of the inevitable surrounding Jesus and the events that are about to unfold. Uh, Since last Sunday, where we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, there is a sense that wheels have been set in motion now, that momentum is building, that the opponents of Jesus are readying themselves and the inevitability of the cross starts to loom large. But unlike being in a car crash, where you realise all too late what's about to occur, this night and what follows does not catch Jesus by surprise. In John chapter 13, in the passage that Kylie just read for us, we read that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. He knew. In fact, the historical accounts of Jesus tell us that he had known for quite some time. At least for months, possibly as much as two years or more, Jesus had been explicitly telling and teaching his disciples where his life was heading. In Mark chapter 8, verse 31, we read, that he began to then teach them that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He knew. He knew that within 24 hours his body would be on the way to a tomb, having been betrayed, humiliated, accused, rejected and abused. And with less than... 24 hours left on this earth, Jesus gathers his disciples together away from the crowds in an upper room. And he took off his outer robe and tied a towel around his waist. And one by one, Jesus washes feet. He washed everyone's feet. He washed the feet of a man who was about to deny him three times before morning. And he washed the feet of a man who was going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. I wonder what you would do if you knew you only had hours left to live. What final experiences would you seek to fill your time with? On his last night, Jesus is completely consistent with his teaching, his ministry and his life. And in almost ridiculous humility, he takes on the nature of a servant and washes feet. This is the eternal word of God. The one who was there at the beginning of the world, the one who sustains all life, washing feet. How will you respond to this gracious saviour? In the words of an old song, this is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him and give our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. Jesus, tonight we come to remember and we come to worship you. It was a different kind of Passover to say the least. Um, I remember right when we sat down, Philip leaned over to me and he whispers, Hey Thomas, I feel like something special is going to happen tonight. (laughs) I looked at him, I said, I doubt it. I was wrong. <laughs> Jesus got up from the table. He, he walked over and grabbed a basin of water and a towel. And I remember at the time thinking to myself, 
What's Jesus doing with the foot water, you know? I doubt he's going to wash somebody's feet. <laughs> I was wrong. He knelt down and began to wash Bartholomew's feet. Bart just sat there. He, uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't move. None of us did. Jesus finished and went on to James and Andrew and the rest of us. I remember at the time thinking, this is so strange yet wonderful. And then I thought, I doubt anybody's going to say anything right now. I was wrong. You know who broke the silence. Peter. No way you're going to wash our feet. I mean, that's what I told him. He could wash other people's feet, but he wasn't going to wash mine. I looked at him and I said, Jesus, you're not going to wash our feet. I mean, you're the king. And he looked at me and he said, well, then you can have nothing to do with me. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my whole body if you have to. He looked at me and said, no, your feet will be fine, Peter. In the midst of him washing our feet, he teaches us servanthood. Then Jesus took some bread and some wine. He blessed it and he served it to us. He said it was a, a new covenant with his blood. And he said, um, tonight all of you will lose faith in me. I remember thinking right then, lose faith in you? Never. But I didn't say anything. I just sat there. I couldn't just sit there. I had to say something. So I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I love you. You can count on me. Everybody else may fall away, but I will not. You can count on me. He looked at me and he smiled. He said, Peter, you'll deny me three times for tomorrow morning. Ouch. The next thing I knew, we were wrapping things up and we were headed to the garden to pray. Luke records for us in chapter 22 that when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want you to imagine for a moment that feeling that you experience when you're really looking forward to something. When you eagerly desire to do an activity with friends or people who are close to you. Got it? And then consider those words again, that Jesus eagerly desired to break bread with his disciples. At this moment of declaring a new covenant bought in blood, this moment of giving them and us a means of remembering him and remembering the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the love that is lavished upon us, made so evident in his death on the cross. My body given for you. My blood poured out. Do this in remembrance of me. I trust you have a means of taking communion or the Lord's Supper where you are. As you do, the band will play through the song Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. You can use that as background music. You can reflect on the words. Or as you're so moved, you can join in singing as well. But let us now, as Jesus instructs, do this in remembrance of him.
Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter 
and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, He again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. Once we got to the garden, um, it's, it just got crazy. Um, Jesus asked Peter, James, and myself to go further in the garden with them and pray, and we did. We tried. We kept falling asleep. Um, Jesus kept waking us up. I remember one time he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true. It's all a blur. Uh, And I think this whole mess got started because of Judas. Did he really think what he was doing was right? There. There he is. He's the one you want. The one praying by himself. Now the others, they will come up and try to create some scene. But the one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. Now 30 pieces of silver, right? That's what we agreed upon. 30 pieces. Forget about the rest. The one that I kiss on the cheek, that's the one you want. A kiss? Jesus betrays Jesus with the kiss of a friend? Uh... And then it got crazy. Uh, Peter, <laughs> Peter grabs a sword and he, he cuts off this guy's ear. And Jesus, Jesus reached down and picked it up and put it right back on the guy's head as if nothing had happened. And then, um, and then they took him. I'd love to tell you that we fought for him. 
but we did. Everyone ran. I ran. I'm so ashamed. What have I done? What have I done? Was I so stupid to think that I've killed him? I've killed him. I've crucified Jesus. Bible reading is from Isaiah 53 and verse 1 through verse 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I crucified Jesus. It's what the crowd wanted and that's what they got. Personally, I don't feel like that man did anything to deserve that, but I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave his sentence, that's when I would go to work. I love that job. I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, that man didn't deserve that. Didn't make sense to me. It makes no sense. There I was, rotten in a jail cell, stealing, murdering. You name it, I've done it. And I knew the next time I stepped foot outside that jail cell, well... And that was it. So the guards, they came and got me, and they put me beside this guy that was beaten to a pulp. Then Governor Pilate started asking the crowd, which one of these men do you want me to set free? I mean, it was obvious. I mean, the crowd, they're going to say, let Jesus go. 
and then I was going to tell them where they could go. And then the crowd, they started chanting Barabbas. I mean, mean, they were saying my name. They were saying my name over and over and over again. The guards, they threw me to the crowd and and they they took Jesus to Golgotha. I mean, one minute I I am a man marked for death and then the next I'm, I'm free. It made no sense. So I followed him all the way to Golgotha. I was stationed at Golgotha that day. We just raised the second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. He'd been beaten, spit on, whipped. He was unrecognizable as a man. Hideous. What was left of his clothes were stripped off of him and he was thrown down on the cross. That's when I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, the first hand is the most difficult. The criminal wants to get away. He fights you. So I would have two soldiers hold him down. But this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I just thought he was exhausted. As an executioner, I've been called every name in the book. I've had men yell at me, plead with me. But I wasn't prepared for that. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave me. Forgive them. He said, forgive them. Who is he? Forgive should have been me up there I was the one that was supposed to be hanging on that cross he took my place then I looked up and I remember he took a uh, deep agonizing breath and he said it is finished and then he died Surely, this man was the son of God. It should have been me. It should have been all of us. And yet, he took our place. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to thank you for engaging with this service from wherever you are. Thank you for remembering with us. Thank you for feeling with us. Thank you for recognizing the importance of these events and this man for our world today. My heart and my hope and my prayer in putting this together is that you would make this personal. What does this mean for you? How will you respond to the great love that Jesus has for you?